The most powerful story you'll ever hear is the story you tell yourself about yourself. I mean, something like that. <laughs> My take on this quote is that you are what you think you are. I believe the same can be said when phrased this way. The most important conversations you'll ever have are the conversations you have with yourself about yourself. If there's anything this pandemic, at the time of this recording, and social distancing has caused for many of us to do is to spend more time with our thoughts. And, oh my goodness, can those thoughts be all sorts of conversations with yourself? Am I right? I'm Jen Amos, your host for Generic Conversations, and I hope that the show sparks an introspective conversation with yourself. It might not always be positive initially, but hey, I believe in you. It's a radical act to look inward and focus on the change that you want to see. So when you listen to generic conversations, I wanna remind you to see yourself in the stories and insights that we share in hopes that you will find the inspiration you need to take the next action step in your life. Even if it's as little as having a positive conversation with yourself about yourself. With that said, this next conversation will have you thinking about the value in focusing on your strengths and hiring your weaknesses, how social distancing has affected the way we conduct sales and manage sales teams. What is authentic persuasion and how is it more effective than your typical sales strategy? And lastly, to choose joy over happiness. I really enjoyed this conversation. I was definitely laughing a lot while I was doing the final edits. So I hope that when you listen, you'll laugh a lot as well. And the last thing I'll bring up is lately, I've been getting asked quite often, Jen, how did you start a podcast? How do I, how do I start podcasting? I want to start podcasting. And so if you check out genericconversations.com, that's generic with a J as in Jen, my name, Jenny, Jack, Jill, Jaguar, you know, J. <laughs> genericconversations.com. I provide a ton of resources and my personal recommendations of tools for you to start your own podcast show. Once again, check that out at genericconversations.com. All right, thank you so much for listening to the intro. Now, please enjoy this conversation that I am fortunate to have with Jason Cutter. Hey, everyone, welcome to Generic Conversations, where I'm very fortunate to have candid conversations with amazing individuals. That'll have you say, I needed this. I'm Jen Amos, your show host, and I'm grateful to have you join us for today's conversation. So today, I'm very fortunate to have a conversation with Jason Cutter. Sales teams stutter without Jason Cutter. CEO of Cutter Consulting Group and founder of the Authentic Persuasion Mythology, Jason is a sales success architect. He works with sales managers and sales reps, helping them craft, hone, and refine their sales infrastructure. Everything from training to scripting to CRM systems, Jason's goal is to take people from order taker to quota breaker. Jason, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here on your show and the fun stuff we're going to talk about. So thanks for having me, Jen. Yeah, I just, I love your intro, by the way. I did not write that. And I just love just that last part, order taker to quota breaker. That is really cool. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where it's something I realized in my sales management leadership and coaching career. Sometimes I tell people it and I've always got to be careful that people understand it's not necessarily a derogatory term, the order taker side, because if they're in sales, like they might get, you know, offended or have their feelings hurt. It's more just where are they at now versus where do they want to get to? Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm sure we can elaborate a little bit more on that later. I just thought, oh, that's so cool. And your, yeah. your whole bio is just very catchy. Thank um, you. Like sales team started without Jason Cutter is very clever. Did you know that like when you realize that, when you realize you can have like stutter rhyme with your last name, like were you just in awe? You're like, oh my gosh, I have to include this in my bio. <laughs> Somebody else wrote that. I have many, many talents. The creative writing with that kind of artistic flow is not one of them. So... <laughs> I'm good on the sales side and the conversational side, that kind of creative, like fantastic floral writing, not my strong suit. Hey, all good. And I appreciate you saying that and making us aware that it's not just the Jason show. You know, you have people that work with you to create amazing copy like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's part of the self-awareness that I've come to where, you know, I realized where I'm really good at, what I'm strong at, where I should stay if I want to be in my kind of zone of genius, where I'm most effective, and then getting help on the other things outside of that so that, you know, I can stay where I want to be and uh, still be effective. Yes. And that's a lesson for everyone to focus on your strengths and outsource your weaknesses. 100%. Well, Jason, already I find you a very interesting person. Some things that were not mentioned in your bio is that you have a degree in marine biology. You spent two years at Microsoft doing tech support, and you've been in sales and leadership for 17 years. Although you are not a veteran, (laughs) we already had this discussion before we started recording, you've been deployed seven times to the Middle East as a government contractor. And today you're a six-figure consultant, podcaster, and soon-to-be author. Lots of exciting things. And I know I already boosted you up, but why don't you tell people what's going on with you today, given, you know, the current state of the world and this quarantine and pandemic, like what's going on in your life today? Well, so the consulting side of my life in that business, I've been doing that for over a year and a half. So it's fairly established. Obviously, some of it changed because a lot of what I do, as much as my dream would be more virtual and remote, which is now the requirement, you know, in the current state of affairs, there's a lot of value for me being on site. So working with sales teams, meeting with them, especially if I have a new client. So that's been the biggest change is where... I had lots of trips and lots of travels plans and I, you know, rarely home more than, you know, a week straight at any point just so that I can go and work with teams and companies directly. Now it's all remote. So it's what can I do remote? How can I help? How can I help other people remotely? And, you know, it's really one of those things where a lot of times in the past, and this is what's fascinating, I talked to companies or I've talked to people and they didn't necessarily want help because they thought they were doing good enough. They thought they Mm. were fine. They thought everything was going well. And then this all happened. And then all of a sudden, everyone got this like, you know, shake up and this hit by reality of do you actually, if you send every, all your salespeople home and work remote, do you actually have good management? Do you have systems? Mm. Do you have processes? Do you have a good team? Are they motivated? Do you have a good corporate culture? Like, does everyone know why they're rowing in the same direction and where the ship is actually supposed to be going? And so when you have this kind of rock bottom moment for a lot of companies, they realize, wait a second, we weren't 
positioned very well. We do need help. And so it's interesting how some parts of my business has actually been busier because people realize it. Same way where, you know, the analogy I use is somebody is eating bad, they're not exercising, they're making kind of poor health choices and they don't care and they're just ignoring the warning signs until like a heart attack happens. The doctor says you better shape up or else. And then that gets them to make a change in their life. Until then, no amount of telling them what they should do will matter. It's kind of what we're seeing right now in the world for a lot of businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. I think sometimes we will not make a change unless some kind of devastating event becomes the catalyst for us to make that kind of change. And so this has been a really interesting time for so many of us to look inward, (laughs) to reflect and to be okay with the current circumstances. And I know that I have, you know, good friends who feel that they don't know what their worth is right now because they were so comfortable or they felt validated performing in front of people, you know, or producing in front of people where now it's like everything is done at home behind a screen. And so with that said, you mentioned that a lot of your training is done in person. Do you feel like now that things have changed and you're doing things remotely, how do you feel is the effectiveness of what you teach? Like, is it still effective being done remotely as opposed to done in person? And I think the second question I have to that would be, do you think sales is more effective in person than remotely? So I'll answer the second one first, because that one's easy one. Sales is always more effective when done in person. Mm you know, we're humans, like they say, you know, there's various stats, but you know, the majority of communication is nonverbal. So it's, you know, the way you're carrying yourself, eye contact, mannerisms, like all of that is relaying messages to the other person. And so when you're face to face with somebody, you're going to build trust faster if you are trustworthy. And you know, you're going to build that relationship at a whole different level than over the phone, especially in a, let's say in a sales conversation where the guard is up. And so by definition, because we're, you know, a tribal society race as humans, we like that interaction, which is where a lot of people struggle with this remote only mode. And so that's the answer for that. However, with that being said, it is better, but it's not necessary and it's not required. Video helps a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. but you can do a lot of fun. I mean, when early on in my sales career, it was face to face. If anyone called, the goal was to get them into the office for a meeting as quickly as possible. And I thought that was the only way to do it. And then years later, I worked at a company where it was phone only doing the same type of work, which is pretty intense as far as the sales cycle goes. And I realized like, if you listen and you do things right, you can do amazing results over the phone. It's just, it's a different skill. Sometimes it's a little bit harder for people. Yeah, definitely. I have found that I tend to connect with people better via audio sometimes, like right now, for example, only because maybe it's just me and my personality as an introvert, but sometimes it's hard for me to give eye contact. Maybe that's a cultural thing too. I come from a Asian, Asian background where it's like, although my husband is white, so I've learned to <laughs> you know, really give like eye contact with people. But you know, I think it is interesting. I think it's a different skill set of being done over the phone, doing just audio. I do remember I was interviewing someone in the past who is a therapist and we were doing audio at the time as well for our interviews. And she told me after the fact, like how weird it felt for her because as a therapist, she's used yeah. to giving people eye contact and really looking at their, you know, nonverbal cues and how their body was moving, you know, how they were acting in the room when she's able 
to consult them and listen to them. And so I think talking about sales overall is just a very interesting topic and considering how things are nowadays with this pandemic. Well, and it's true. I mean, you know, two sides of things that you talked about. I mean, there's a lot when you're looking at someone, you can read a lot into how they're reacting and what they're doing, where if you're doing phone only, then you have to listen really well. The other part is like you said, I mean, if somebody's more introverted and they're not that outgoing, you know, archetype of what you think a salesperson should be doing, then you're going to feel this pressure. It's not going to feel comfortable. You don't like doing it. My guess though, and this is what I see a lot of people, and this is where kind of my training that I do and the book that I'm working on, which is centered around authentic persuasion, is that if you're authentic to who you are and you know why you want to sell and you're selling something you believe in, that introverted side will go away Mm -hmm. for most people because now they're doing it because they want to instead of feeling like you have to. I mean, if you take someone like yourself and put you into selling something you don't really care about or believe in or you're excited about, you're going to hide in the introverted side, right? So you're just going to, you know, want to pull away. If it's something you're passionate about, I mean, like even right before we talked about this, like this podcast and the stuff that you're doing and, you know, your other show that you have in the financial side, it's like, it's obvious. I'm sure you could stand in front of a crowd and sell that and feel more comfortable. And, you know, that's really about, you know, finding the right place. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that, Jason, because there's this book that I read some like years ago called Quiet by Susan Cain. And she talks about how introverts, they will come out of their shell if they have something really passionate, like something that they're really behind that they want to talk about. Like they don't go on stage, you know, just for the attention. They go with a purpose. And so, you know, I've been fortunate in the past to be a public speaker. Even just last March before this all happened, I had the opportunity to speak at PodFest in Florida. And, you know, I don't go out of my way to speak (laughs) to things or speak in public unless I have a really strong, passionate reason why. And so I think you read me pretty well, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and that makes total sense. And I think the other term too, that's important because I used to think that too, I was like an introvert and I used to tell people all the time, I don't really like people. I don't like talking to people. And then everybody on the outside would look at that and go, you're ridiculous. (laughs) Like you are so extroverted maybe not needing to be the center of attention, but like, I just don't hold back in groups. Internally, I'm thinking, no, like I don't get energized from that. And there's a good term that I realize that's becoming more popular called ambivert, which is Mm, where it's somebody who's, you know, because it's very rare to ever meet somebody who's a pure introvert. Like Mm -hmm. you would never meet them because they would never go outside. And so, (laughs) but you know, an ambivert, which is where you can be the social, you can be on stage, you can be in meetings, you can also be alone the introvert is like if they are talking to people they're drained versus an ambivert which you're not positive or negative you're just doing it and you're happy in either way which i think it describes a lot more people than you know the introvert label yeah absolutely i mean with that definition of you know if you're a true introvert you'd never leave the house i guess i'm not (laughs) no you're not (laughs) i do like i eventually do like to get out of the house i eventually get sick of being here and although my husband and i work from home and i take a lot of pride in that i think somehow for whatever reason when everyone was ordered to stay at home i like no longer wanted to be at home i don't know when it was but maybe it's just this rebellious act of like okay if everyone's home that means no one's out so i want to be out (laughs) because no one's out 
And I think that's human behavior because I know a lot of people that I talk to who I know they normally don't care about going out. And then once they're told that they can't, yeah. then it's like, wait a second, now I want to. What do you mean I can't go out to the club or the bar or to restaurants? Like now I really want to. It's like you never did before. Like where yeah. is this coming from? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it is quite interesting. Well, Jason, thanks so much for having that part, portion of the conversation with me. I want to dive into this book that you have coming out, Selling with Authentic Persuasion. And I'm very fascinated by the phrase, the authentic persuasion. Because when I think of persuasion, I think of, okay, you know, you got to convince someone, you got to like know the right lingo, like you're really just trying to, you know, influence someone to do some kind of transactional thing, or maybe even manipulate them to, you know, get your way on something. And so when you say, when you add authentic to it, I'd love for you to actually elaborate on that more because it sounds more, I guess for lack of a better term, authentic, it sounds real. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds compassionate, I think. And so why don't you elaborate more on what you mean by selling with authentic persuasion? Well, and I think the, the persuasion part is the one that people get stuck on, especially when you're talking about kind of the second, the, the subtitle for the book is transforming from order taker to quota breaker, mm-hmm. is there's a lot of people who are in sales roles operating more like an order taker customer service where they're afraid of pushing people forward in the conversation because they're afraid of you know what that might do and doing it the wrong way and with the wrong intentions which nobody likes right like yes it's effective people have been selling with manipulation for as long as we've been you know a species there's been somebody, you know, lying or convincing or, you know, getting someone to buy something they didn't want. Um, but I think that's really the key is the persuasion piece versus the manipulation. Manipulation, by definition, is about getting somebody else to do something for your benefit, right? Mm, Not for right. them. It's mm-hmm. for you. So in sales, that's I'm going to have you buy my widget. You won't like it. It's crap. It's probably going to break, but I can, you know, get what I need and then I'm going to move on, right? The classic mm. snake oil salesman back in the day that you read stories about where they go from town to town selling right. this, this magical oil that turns out to be just water. And then once the jig is up in the town and, you know, nobody's buying, then they move to to the next town back when there was no internet. And then they could just sell that to the next town until the jig is up and they're just lying to people to take their money versus persuasion, which could go either way. But I use the definition of a positive persuasion, which is I'm going to help you get what you need or want. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also going to get what I need or want, right? So it's not just about me helping you in a customer service standpoint, like there's two sides of this, if it's a good fit. And I think that's the key is the persuasion piece. And in the persuasion is also that action. Instead of sitting back and going, well, if you'd like to buy this thing, that sounds great. Instead, it's you know being on that journey with the person and finding out what they need and want and then going with them and taking them with you as a leader. One of the chapters that I have in the book is actually talking about being a leader in the conversation and the transaction, not a sales manager, but the leader of that conversation where you know the destination and you want to have them follow you to that journey instead of pushing them, right? Which salespeople Mm -hmm. think they have to push. Mm -hmm. When you do it right, you're walking towards the finish line and they want to follow you because they know you're going to help. Mm. I think it takes a certain level of 
confidence to lead someone in persuasion. Because I think even for myself, when I started back in sales back then, you know, I don't consider myself like the professional salesperson. But I remember when I first started in my young 20s, I was so scared. Like even though I believed in what I was selling at the time, I was so scared to, I don't know, like have people pay for what I was selling them. And so what do you tell people who are kind of in that funk as well? It's like, I know they need this, but I just, I don't want to feel like I'm selling them. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to feel like A, B, or C. So we didn't plan this, but this is a great setup if I ever want to have somebody set me up for this. The answer (laughs) to that is actually the authentic piece, which is why it's, you know, I titled it Authentic Persuasion and the book starts with authentic. There's actually three Mm -hmm. sections in the book. The first one is being authentic, which is where that comes from, which is, you know, a combination of mindset, overcoming your own fears and challenges, and then getting connected to why you want to be successful in sales Mm -hmm. or in whatever your career is. And of course, the big picture number is always the money, right? That's what people... I want to be successful in sales so I can make, you know, thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And that's a good scoreboard indicator. And that's important. However, then what? Right? Like, okay, so you make, you know, $100,000 or $50,000. Then what? What are you going to do with that? Like, what is that affording you or what is that helping you with? Once you tie in with that and you get the authentic piece down, then the persuasion part is now just a conversation with a framework of, you know, moving the right people in the right direction for the right reasons. And mm-hmm. you have that solid foundation. Mm. Okay. Well, when that book gets out, we definitely, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely need to look into it. I feel like I can always get more advice on sales and really the mindset shift in in understanding that I'm not out to hurt people. I'm not not out to scam people. I'm genuinely out to help people. And I just have to, I think for myself, I feel like I'm just thinking out loud here. (laughs) You know, I I think for myself, I just have to have that confidence that what I'm doing is really of service to them as opposed to like, you know, oh, I'm not credible enough or what have you. And that's the interesting part, right? So when you plug in those pieces together, the authentic part, and then you're looking at the tools of persuasion, then you realize and, and really the punchline of all of it and where you want to get to, it's an evolution, right? There's a lot of work that you've got to do to get to that point. But the end result is where you see it literally as your responsibility to that other person to Mm -hmm. help them buy. Let's look at your other ventures, right? Because your listeners, maybe they listen to the other podcaster and they know you from the other things where you're helping veterans with their finances and help them make you know, decisions with that. And, you know, when they're coming out of the service life, if they don't make good decisions, where are they going to end up potentially? Right. So Mm. it becomes your duty of like, I want to help you because it's either I help you or who knows what may happen. And so then it totally shifts it from, I need to help you because I'm going to make some money to it's, I help you or else, right? Like a doctor mode where Mm. your leg is broken. I need to help you. Not because this means I'm going to get paid for fixing your leg. It's a totally different shift. And once you get to that level, you know, with the authentic piece and the persuasion skills, once Mm -hmm. you get to that level, then it's a home run. Yeah. I like how you said, I want to help you. I need to help you or else. Or else. And realizing that it is a responsibility. And I think about the work that I do with my husband and getting in front of veterans and military families 
and really teaching them about financial education and yeah. today's economy. You know, the reason why he got into it is because when he got out of the military himself, he didn't have that kind Nothing. of education. And also when people get out of the military, they struggle with a lack of purpose because they were mm -hmm. so focused on following orders for so long so that when they get out, it's like, um, it's like, yeah, it's like, now what? And how do I make my finances align with what I want to do now? So it's really learning, like, what do I want to do now? And how do I have my finances align with that? And if no one teaches them that, then they become another statistic. You yeah. know, it's very common knowledge that a lot of veterans really struggle with a lack of purpose after the military. And, you know, there's that common saying of, you know, 22 veterans commit suicide every day. Yeah. And at least to my husband, his belief is because they don't have that sense of purpose anymore. They don't have that sense of a mission anymore or that unit that they used to have in the military. And so that's been his diehard passion. And I'm fortunate that I was a military child, such as yourself. I, I know that you are of a, a Navy family. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Yeah. And so I feel very fortunate that I had that background to really see what it was like. And even when we suddenly got out of the military, just what do we do then? And as a child who was really a product of that, it's like, well, what's my purpose, you know? <laughs> right. So anyway, whole other conversation for another time. You could definitely listen to my other show about that called Holding Down the Four. I talk more about my story there, but I appreciate you bringing that up, Jason, and really applying, you know, what you do in sales and how I could even apply it for myself. So thank you for that. Well, and the key too is, right, so there's big purpose. Sometimes I talk to people or people listen to me and I'm talking about sales and, and, you know, I've helped a lot of people with their personal finances in the past in various roles that I've done. So I've literally seen exactly what you and your husband are trying to help people with. I've dealt with that for so long. And so, you know, sometimes people go, okay, well, but I'm not selling, you know, I'm not saving people's lives by helping them with their finances or I'm not a doctor. You know, I sell software to companies to help with their marketing or I sell TVs, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what I tell people is, but when you do it right and when you take it as your duty and your responsibility to do it with authentic persuasion, right? In that framework, so you're doing it for the right reasons in the right way with that person. You're also, if they're buying from you, you're saving them from going down the road to the next dealership or mm -hmm. to somebody else where that person may not care about doing it the right way, right? Mm -hmm. So it's actually your duty sometimes, no matter what you're selling, it doesn't, you could be selling knives, it doesn't matter. But if you have a good product and you care and you want to help that person, you're keeping them from making some bad decision, buying from somebody who doesn't care, mm -hmm. at least until I get my message out there so much that I've changed the whole world of how the way sales is done. And then it's actually more of a professional business, you know, like medical, you know, until then, you, you know, you're, you're helping people avoid other mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, I love how passionate you are with <laughs> sales and leadership. And I think this is a great way to transition to the next part of our interview, which is a personal discovery that you have that yeah. you've had in the past. And so I'm curious, and I don't know if this ties into your personal discovery, but what drove you, you know, to have this passion to talk about authentic persuasion and sales? Because I am literally a hot mess. If you look at my <laughs> life on paper, <laughs> I love it. it if you look at my past and my windy path through life and you look at it on paper like a resume, it literally makes no <laughs> sense. And A, it doesn't make any sense how I got here. And then it doesn't make sense like why I'm good at what I am. And again, mm -hmm. going back to earlier in the conversation, like I have my strengths, I have my weaknesses. I'm not going to say I'm perfect in any way. Like I am a mess in some other categories. <laughs> like, you know, if you want me to design you a logo or do graphic design, 
like video editing. No, like keep me away from that. But you need me to talk to people and, and persuade people to do things like I'm your man, right? So yeah. I know where my strengths are and it's not an ego thing. I just know what I'm good at and I know what I focus on. But on paper, it literally makes no sense. I mean, you know, <laughs> you mentioned it, right? Like I have a degree in marine biology. I spent four years tagging sharks, like everything from two foot sharks to 18 foot great white sharks in the Monterey Bay area in California. Yeah. I worked at Microsoft for two years doing tech support until all of our jobs were outsourced and offshored to mm. uh, China and India when that began in 2002. Like wow. we were the first people to lose jobs because of that global globalization of tech support. People mm -hmm. accept it now and they just think it's always been that way. No, it used to be done by people in the United States and we used to do that and then we all lost our jobs. And then I went into sales and then like you mentioned, I went and as a government contractor, did that for four years from 2011 to the end of 2015. So it wasn't as a young person out of high school who was lost. Like mm -hmm. it's like halfway through my life and I did that. <laughs> But it's interesting, back to your question, right? I love about, hearing this, by the way. This is, yeah. I love how you say, I'm a hot mess. Like, I I'm love a this hot, so much. I'm on, <laughs> on paper, I'm, and what's interesting, and this is why literally, I, you know, and I'll, I'll get to this in a minute, but I struggled mentally for most of my life hmm. because of that hot mess, because I didn't go to college, get a degree, hmm get a job, do that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Literally, I can remember it. I literally can picture conversations. One time I was transitioning to the place I needed to be at in Afghanistan for a government contract. And I'm sitting in this transition you know, building and I'm talking to somebody else. And I say, hey, what do you do? Oh, I went to school. I got my degree in engineering and now mm -hmm. I do engineering projects. And I'm like, He's like, what do you do? Well, I have my degree in marine biology and I was doing sales <laughs> and now I work on this government contract flying around here. And it's like, wow, like that sucks. And so I used to honestly, and I share this a lot, I used to beat myself up forever mm. because I didn't do the path, right? The plan, mm. the way that A, you're supposed to do it, which doesn't exist anymore, right? It's not mm, our parents' yep. generation yep. where they worked in a job 30 years, retired, pension, everything was great. You know, they took their vacations every year. That's not life even before this thing going on right now, but yeah, that's just not the current reality with globalization. That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother show. But, <laughs> you know, I used to beat myself up and then mm. I realized, I literally remember it. I remember exactly the moment it happened. I was having a conversation with somebody that had nothing to do with anything. We were talking about Grant Cardone's 10X book. I had read it. I highlighted it. I gave it to this guy. We were on a flight together. And two hours into the conversation, we're talking about investing. We're talking about all the stuff. Oh, one of the other things I've done in my past is I used to clean fish tanks for a living, like at oh. Chinese restaurants and doctor's offices and lawyer's offices and people's houses. I did that for wow. a better part of two years. And uh, I realized, what I realized was is that everything I had done that I used to be embarrassed by actually made it so that I could have conversations with lots of people. I could mm. be empathetic because mm. I'd seen so many different things. I had hit some rock bottoms. I had some positive things, you know, made money. I lost money, had relationships, lost relationships. Mm. And I realized that all of that is actually an asset because it makes me relatable. That person 
who got the degree and has worked in their job for 25 years, they can't necessarily empathize about the same things I can with people, right? right? The same thing that makes you amazing, Jen, is that you've been through that gold star daughter, the moving around as a kid, the making that transition, going out and like all of a sudden, okay, now you guys have to support everybody because your dad is not there anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. everything that you've gone through and all those struggles actually makes you able to do a show like this and reach so many people. I finally embraced at 38 years old. I embraced that and went, oh man, this is actually amazing. (laughs) Wow. And, and then use that, right? Like I sell to people because I don't pretend to be somebody else. Mm. I am a hot mess. I grew up in a household where my mom was a banker before she retired. My dad was an engineer. So both analytical people, but the side effect of bankers and people who are in finance is they generally see a lot of banking fraud depending on mm. what department you're in. And so my mom generally just doesn't trust anybody. She checks her wow. bank still to this day. She checks her bank account at least once, maybe twice a day to make sure everything is okay and nobody accidentally overcharged her or took money from her, right? Wow. And she's retired. So like, that's how I grew up. I mean, they did not like salespeople. Going to a dealership and buying a car was a five-hour event of my mom fighting a salesperson because she knew they were trying to get one over on her. And it was literally a battle. So I grew up in an anti-sales home, yet here I am. Oh, well, wow, Jason. (laughs) I just, I want to just say thank you for being on my show because you know, I'm 32 and I feel like I was a hot mess most of my life. You know, even with my bio, like I was updating my bio recently and I was just like, man, like I have done, I mean, I definitely haven't done as much as you have in terms of like just how like random all the things you've done is, but like I actually went to college, but while I was in college, I changed my major three times. And when I finally chose my major, I didn't really want to pursue it. And then in my young twenties, I got fired from four jobs. And then so I ended up getting into sales because I thought, okay, at least no one will fire me like if I get yeah. into sales, but I wasn't the best salesperson. And then so happened to get myself into social media marketing because I was a millennial and people are like, oh, like you definitely know how to do social media. Oh, of and course so you happened, must, right? Yeah. <laughs> I must, I must. And so for five years, and I talk about this pretty candidly, but I struggled with the imposter syndrome for yeah. most of my twenties. And just like when you're talking about that path, like I don't feel like I was ever on the right path, you know? It's like, even though maybe on paper, people are like, oh, it's so cool that you started your own business and you get to like design your life. It's like, well, I'm like literally figuring this out. Like every moment of everything. Well, and and I'll tell you, I'm 44 now and I'm in the same boat. I'm figuring it out. (laughs) I've now embraced that process and understand that if I try to control it, if I try to set a five-year goal, plan or goal, which I never recommend anyone really doing because (laughs) then when it deviates from it, because life will find a way, capital L life, like life will find a way always to throw you off your path. You want to know where you're heading, but you also want to be flexible. I'm figuring it out. And what I'll tell you too, is like the imposter syndrome. I don't know how I'm going to use air quotes here. Nobody can see it, but I don't know how (laughs) successful people do it or how they feel like the big name brands, the big people you see where you're like, oh my gosh, they're amazing. And I idolize them. I'm going to guess everybody has imposter syndrome of somebody else and what they could be doing and why they Mm. don't have more success. I'm in that same boat where it's like, man, why don't I have 10 books by now? Right? Mm. Like, why don't I have this? And why aren't I being paid that? And it's like, wait a second, I'm this, you know, you just got to check yourself and, you know, get on your path and just make the most of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's all you can do. I uh, was speaking with one of my good friends, Romina, on her podcast show, and she was asking, how do you define success for yourself? And I uh, came to this conclusion that success is being happy in the present or embracing where you are in the present. Because I think somehow society has taught us to kind of just like regret our past and feel like we have to quote unquote get there one day, you know, get to that certain destination that we miss out on the process or the present moment. And yeah, I mean, just like, I just appreciate everything you're sharing. I just, it it validates me (laughs) and my hot mess of a life. So thank you. And it's reassuring to know that like, or to really examine, like, does anyone have it figured out? I mean, some people think they do. And then again, life will throw it at you and throw you off. And really the key is, I think your definition of success is great. I mean, there's one little change I might make to it. But I mean, I think once you're in that intersection of your strengths and what it feels like your purpose is in this moment, and I'm not talking big purpose, like why are we on this planet? Why are we alive? And what am I, because that's always retrospect, right? It's mm-hmm. on your deathbed when you look back and go, okay, that's why everything happened. I mean, I used to have mm-hmm. those conversations with my grandma all the time and she would be struggling or I'd be struggling. And it's like, why is this happening? I was like, you just don't know. Because mm-hmm. afterwards, then you look back and go, that's why I lost that job. Or that's mm. why I went bankrupt. Or that's why that relationship failed. Then you look back and go, oh, it's because it made me do this. Or then it gave me the strength to do this. Or I have the empathy to do that. Or mm. I met this other person. Like you just don't know until afterwards. But really it's about that. I mean, and the only change I would say is I prefer the word joy over happiness. Because when you look at the definition, a lot of times happiness is very conditional. So mm. when I posted something, did I get enough likes? That makes me happy. I didn't. I'm not happy. You know, I bought this car, I'm happy, and then I'm not happy and conditional. Mm-hmm. So depending on how people use the word, like joy is a deeper sense of like, here's who I am. Here's what is authentic for me. Here's, you know, what I enjoy. Here's what matters to me. And then here's what success means. Not bank account, not likes, not, you know, new cars. And it's just this like deeper joy level, but you're spot on. I mean, it's just living in the present not worrying about the past, learning from it, but yeah. you know, not worrying about it and definitely not worrying about the future because I guarantee and I promise right now in our <laughs> history as humans, proving that to be true, you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, Jason, I really, really enjoyed our conversation today. And as I mentioned, I just feel like you validated my life and my life decisions <laughs> at Perfect. this point. And I'm just glad that my hot mess of a self led me to speak with you today. So I just appreciate this conversation. You're welcome. And just imagine 12 more years of being alive and you get to 44 like me and what that might look like. So. I'd like to become 34 and think of you. I'd be like, huh? Right. Like I had a conversation with Jason when he was 44. Now I'm 44. And it's yeah. like, have I figured it out yet? Probably not. Probably not. Probably, probably <laughs> not. But I think the key is, and this is the part, and you know, I love it when I talk to somebody who's obviously younger and they're getting it figured out, but it's really like, where should you be? And you know, what makes you excited and, and how really, where's the intersection of your strengths? And then how do you provide value to other people? And then mm-hmm. also as a way you can, you know, make a living off of that and, and have the life that you want. Again, success isn't about making a million dollars. You'd be very happy making $40,000 a year. If you feel successful, if you're providing value, if you're helping other people in some way, some contribution, and then with your strengths. I mean, that's great. So. Mm, wow. What a great way to wrap up our conversation today, Jason. For people that want to get to know you more and connect with you and learn more about authentic persuasion, how can they do that? 
The first part would be AuthenticPersuasion.com. Pretty simple. You can go there. I have a free book. I have an online sales training program, all kinds of resources on there. So that's a good place to start. I am mostly active on LinkedIn. I am on Facebook a bunch, but more active on LinkedIn. So if you just search for me on there, you'll find me posting videos, content, love chatting with people. I'm really a sales nerd. It's one of the weirdest things I've embraced about myself over the last year, especially on my podcast and how much I just love talking to people about sales. So anybody who wants to talk about sales or mindset or life or goals, I mean, kind of like this conversation, anything, uh-huh. you can find me on there. And then my consulting website is cutterconsultinggroup.com. I have the blogs on there, the link for the podcast is on there resources, you know, the companies that, you know, I work well with, uh, you can find me on there. Beautiful. Jason, I needed this conversation today. So thank you so much again for your time and for your wisdom and your hot mess of a life. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. And what's awesome is I totally love that. And I will totally take that label because I think it's, uh, you know, helps people understand, right? And, you know, the authentic side. So, and, you know, truly, and, and this is what people might not realize, and this is what's important in this is thank you for the show and the framework and then you being authentic. Because if you're not authentic and setting the stage, then you know, people like myself aren't going to come on here and share. So I appreciate you and what you're doing on your various ventures. I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, part of the reason why I started this podcast show is I just want to have candid conversations with people. Like I want to go beyond our titles, go beyond our accolades or go underneath that, whatever you want to say, and just be like, hey, like, who are you? And how did you get to this point in your life? And oh, cool. You haven't figured it out either. Awesome. (laughs) Every day. Every all day, every day. Every day. Every day I wake up and I'm like, okay, let's figure this out today. Let's see how it goes. I just feel like we need to come up with like like a hashtag hot mess yeah. professional. Hot, there we go. There we go. Just tag me on it. Sounds good. <laughs> hashtag hot mess professional. There we go. It would be fun to play with. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope that this conversation gave you what you needed for today. And with that said, we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. 